So we seem to constantly measure the outcome of culture. Nothing wrong with that, of course. But uh, I hope to um, uh, uh, draw an obvious insight from this. If you want to change anything to improve culture, maintain it, sustain it, you know, you have got to measure the input. And yeah. the obvious input, you don't have to be a psychologist, is how things get done. Hi, I'm David Green. And welcome to episode three of series 20 of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. You just heard Hani Nabil, Chief Behavioural Scientist at iPsychTech, talking about how behaviours are the leading indicator of culture and why he thinks it's time to stop relying on measuring the outcomes of culture like engagement during a culture transformation. Yeah, we measure engagement survey. It tells us all what we need about culture. My argument, no, it doesn't. It tells you one outcome of culture you do need to understand behaviours to understand yeah. the leading indicators and what is really going on. Throughout the episode, Hani and I discuss the use of neural thinking, neural technology and predictive analytics to measure culture. We look at how to connect culture to business outcomes and demonstrate the value of culture transformation. And we also dig into some case studies from companies who are tackling culture transformation and measuring success. There are two different things to consider. One is HR does not own culture. That's the, the interesting thing, is, is culture is owned by everybody. But the second thing which I just want to uh, uh, talk about is people analytics and HR need to have a, uh, I don't know how to put it, a better marriage. <laughs> it's kind of a marriage at the moment. It just, you know, you, you know it, it just needs to improve that relationship. Um, it's getting better. Um, but I sometimes feel, maybe it's just a feeling that with some HR professionals, they, they shy away or they're worried uh, about people. And it's not there to replace their jobs. Uh, it's there to enhance what they do. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Hani Nabil, Chief Behaviour Scientist at iPsych Tech to the Digital HR Leaders podcast. And it's great to see you again. Thanks for being on the show. Can you provide listeners with a brief introduction to you uh, and your role at iPsych Tech? Well, I'm a behaviour uh, scientist, uh, but I didn't start my uh, career uh, actually with behaviour science nor psychology, oddly enough. Um, uh, started life in engineering and physics, then uh, airline flying for many years. Um, in fact, 10 years all told, flying passengers around the world, uh, mainly to acting captain, and uh, the, uh, uh, the probably strangest thing any pilot would do, which is leave the flight deck, uh, having got excited about human performance and the human role in the flight deck. So I went after my passion. So back to university to study uh, both a master's of occupational psychology with focus on quantum behavior science, uh, as well as uh, a master's in research for uh, advanced methods. So... Uh, all of that really uh, started my journey into uh, understanding uh, behaviours and uh, uh, how they manifest uh, in our workplace. Uh, my early work was actually uh, back at the flight deck uh, to understand uh, particularly cockpit design that not just the correct group behaviour, uh, which was great fun, uh, but really that uh, uh, driven a lot of the insights and early beginnings of my, the research that led to development of CultureScope um, which is where now CultureScope, uh, particularly iPsychTech, comes uh, uh, into the story. It took us seven years, the largest ever study, uh, to uh, develop CultureScope. Uh, when I say largest, it was over 51,000 participants across 60 diverse organizations, 61 countries. 
and all about understanding uh, behaviors uh, really and how to measure those accurately and from that how do we provide uh, analytics uh, so particularly insightful and actionable uh, uh, analytics as well as predictive analytics and uh, and a roadmap for culture improvement culture management so quite an exciting uh, journey and iCyclic as a business, as you might imagine, is heavily in the world of people and analytics. However, we're not journalists. Uh, we focus at behavior science as part of people yeah. and analytics. Great. Actually, we know each other for a while, but I didn't know you used to be a pilot. For the last two years of my career, I was even promoted to captain and then left, which was a bit strange. They used to help fly people to the destination they wanted to go. And now you could argue that you're helping companies get to the culture and behaviors that they, they need to have to be successful. So. Nice, nice analogy there. So let, let's start with culture. You know, what do what do organisations often get wrong about culture? You know, what are what are some of the common pitfalls that, that you've seen along your journey? So the the, the the pitfalls I see now is what I saw that many years ago before I even started uh, the research. Um, when you ask uh, any organisation now, how do you deal with culture? What are the metrics you look at? You're going to get some interesting, uh, valid answers. Some are common. Let's say we do engagement surveys. So we understand people's opinions and how engaged they are. We may look at uh, customer or uh, client feedback. Uh, do they stay with us? They may look at business performance in regulated industries. They may uh, think about incidents, accidents, uh, issues, um, all sorts, a plethora of analytics. If you were to plot all of that all together, you and I do a master sheet now, you would notice that all of this is important, but it's the outcomes of culture. So we seem to constantly measure the outcome of culture. Nothing wrong with that, of course. But uh, I hope to um, uh, uh, draw an obvious insight from this. If you want to change anything to improve culture, maintain it, sustain it, you know, you have got to measure the input. And the yeah. obvious input, you don't have to be a psychologist, is how things get done. It's a behavior. So... It's odd that we're measuring always the outcome, as uh, I hope basic common sense science would say, well, if you're not measuring the input, you're like chasing your tail. You're constantly chasing lagging indicators, what has happened. But to change anything, you need to work on the input. So I often say, uh, don't link. I mean, I'm sure you may have heard this. Yeah, we measure engagement survey. It tells us all what we need about culture. My argument, no, it doesn't. It tells you what outcome of culture you do need to understand behaviors to understand yep. the leading indicators and what is really going on and to impact the future as well. Yeah. And then how, by changing some of those behaviors, you can get better at, well, or, or worse, but not that you'd want worse, how you can get better outcomes. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's the critical missing piece in the story. In terms of culture, there's so many definitions of culture around, but I'd, I'd love to hear your definition of culture. So I want to simplify it by saying, uh, even if I will use simple language, it's the way that things get done at an organization. It's the way your people behave towards each other and to the outside world and to your partners, uh, your, your, your suppliers, all of this really. And interestingly enough, any, at any given second, each organization of whatever size they are, their people are enacting that culture. So every day, people enact. They don't even think about it, but they become somewhat programmed to enact it. And that's really a simple definition to think about. And that's a great link with behavior, because ultimately, every person in your company 
is a representation of your culture and, and that manifests itself in the way they behave, you know, whether that's to customers, to each other, to suppliers, etc. Absolutely correct. That's that's the definition of culture. I think that's a nice definition of culture, nice and nice and, and easy, I think, for, for everyone to, 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 to follow and understand. So then how do you connect culture to business outcomes and really demonstrate the value of culture transformation, for example? And perhaps as part of that, we can discuss how research methods have, have advanced over the last 10 years in terms of in terms of measuring culture. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is a, an, a question, uh, interesting enough, I asked uh, myself even before I started research, exactly the same words. So fascinating us in the, the, at this stage now because it's how Cutscope was born. So to answer your question accurately, the first thing we've got to think about, if we know that behaviors and culture is the leading indicator, and we know it's a key differentiator, it's your brand value, even, I'm sure, hopefully you agree, it's uh, your leading uh, edge of your competitors, right? It is your culture. I mean, products and services don't make themselves, and certainly on their own, they're not going to be your competitive edge. Um, so ultimately, if we cannot understand culture, measure it, let's be accurate, bottle it, change it, drive it. If you can't measure it, you can't fix it. Really simple stuff, or enhance it or maintain it. So the yeah. first thing that you need to do in your journey for good analytics is how do I measure culture accurately? It's got to be a valid diagnostic. You can't put rubbish in and expect great analytics out and insights. Pointless. So that's the first part of the journey. And measurement was something that was heavily in our research. So to give you and your audience an insight on that, um, we started in our research because we didn't know. There was no research. What behaviors can we measure that are relevant for culture? So yep. early on our research, we, were, uh, we, we, we made a short list of every behavior we could measure uh, using uh, kind of advanced psychometric techniques, online diagnostics. 229 behaviors all told, far too many, of course. And in our journey, we've managed to eliminate uh, what doesn't vary from one company to another, because if it doesn't, you're measuring hotel, you're not measuring anything. Uh, but also, we started connecting those behaviors to multiple thematic outcomes around performance, people leaving, people staying, people happy, people not, incidents, accidents, you name it, a plethora. We got incredible research around outcome. So we ended yeah. up with 30 factors, which is the base measurement that we measure today, 30 factors of behavior uh, that, draw, that, that, that is important because they vary and drive multiple outcomes. So the second key point from that is we also measure behaviors, and this is really important, but in two ways. So we have two measurement points, not one. For each person in the organization, we measure what they do at work and what are the observed behaviors in a separate measurement point around them. So we yes. get to know on mass what is the system around them that drives their behavior and how do they live within it. So you got what I lovingly call now the place and its people. We get to know what you drive at the place and how people live it. The reason being is, sadly, as you've seen in many culture, has often been the villain. Uh, it, it, how many organizations we hear that every day? And we keep just saying, it's the fault of these people here. Yeah, well, no, it's not. Sometimes the system is driving that. When I say yeah. the system, the place rewards organizational structure. Um, uh, uh, operating models. They drive behaviors. However, we rarely design them with, with, for driving the right behaviors. 
So I'm a big advocate, you may have heard the term culture by design, and we can talk about that later, which is really about designing. Don't be scared. You design your uh, financial systems. You design your products. You design. Have you have you designed your culture? People will go, no, it designs itself. No, 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 no. You can design it to drive the right behaviors you want to see. The second part to answer your question is we got to connect all these behaviors to a plethora of outcomes. I'm never satisfied with one or two. So I yes. often challenge uh, any organization I work with to think about the thematics. Is it compliance? Is it risk management? Is it innovation? Is it creativity? Is it performance? And we invite them to bring a plethora of outcomes. Believe it or not, CultureScope automatically can link the behaviors measured with any outcome you throw at it. And in fact, we have in our latest uh, development program, uh, uh, I mean, it's a neural engine now that thinks about the data for you. So you don't have to be an expert mathematician. We connect the outcomes with behaviors to tell you three critical things. Here we go. One, why do things happen? Yeah. You might have a lot of insight that they've happened today. I'm not going to add value there. You know that. You can. You know if people are engaged or not, people left or not, accidents have happened or not, performed well or not, but you don't know why. we got to tell you why yeah. things happen. i got to also tell you how to improve things. We do that through predictive analytics, but also we do that with what I call the technical term being path analysis, which is a roadmap by connecting. What outcomes do I need to work on first, second, third, fourth? If I have 20 outcomes I want to improve, imagine that I could tell you what is the optimal route to work on. Don't invest on 20 at the same time. Don't have yeah. to do that. But what do you do first, second, and third? And the final thing we absolutely must do is tell you where. So where am I great? Where do I need to uh, actually drive those behaviors? And I talk about behavior presence and absence as a segue to that. And if I can tell you all of this, now you've got, I hope, through common sense, the classic, brilliant way of managing your culture. Something that, as you might imagine, in your journey, people analytics is missing. Yeah. So to, to take your second thing, how to improve things. So let's say you want to improve safety. You might have to focus on leadership behaviours, for example. You might need to focus on training for those directly involved in the, the outcome of safety before you actually impact on safety. Sure. Just yeah. a simple example, hopefully, there for listeners, but yeah. Absolutely. So in CultureScope world, to simplify the data they see, remember they see the data of how our people behave, what do we drive at the place and outcomes. Culture by design, we connect this, so what they can do with the data, with that by saying, if it's a people uh, behaviors are absent, focus on capability training. You've got to focus on the people. If it's the place is not driving those behaviors, focus on two things, opportunity, reward. How do you nudge behaviors at the place? Give the opportunity. If you give the opportunity, then you reward the people with enacted. So you've got to get all three right. You cannot isolate. Say, well, our people is there, so it doesn't matter about the place. No. To get the behavior to manifest fully, using the term you've just said before, we've got to focus people are capable, number one. The opportunity is there, even the reward is there. And in terms of how research, you know, research methods have obviously advanced over the last 10 years in terms of measuring culture. I mean, the work that you've done uh, during that time is, is, is proof of that. 
you know, I'd love to hear your, your views on that. And, and, and presumably the research measures have advanced in line with our ability to, with, well, technolo technological uh, capability and probably analytics as well. You know, I'd love to hear your views on how things have advanced over sort of the last 10 years or so. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the people just generally, first of all, the people analytics world is changing rapidly and, and solving so many complex problems. Now, I could argue, again, as a big advocate of our industry, that um, HR generally should absolutely embrace this and run with this. And I still see some fear or hesitance and resistance, uh, uh, if yeah. you don't mind me saying. So the technology has advanced so much that actually you've got now incredible cloud computing that is safe. Uh, and, and we obviously are a cloud application, right? We're cloud-based uh, SaaS and software service, um, and, and it could be a product. And that product is just basically all there for you and can do incredible heavy lift for you in terms of, as an example, connecting and measuring those behaviors and connecting them with a plethora of outcome complexity that will take you hours and hours and days to try and understand. You know, through neural thinking, the neural brain for us basically does, as a, a you know, slightly uh, geeky moment, uh, does all the multi-level modeling, all the regression analysis, it understands whether it is a linear outcome, whether it's a, it's a binary outcome, does, you know, or what, what applies the correct regression, to start really giving you the insights of, here are the behaviors you need to work on, complex, you know, here are the two or three behaviors you need to work on. And here is your IOI. We even tell them you can improve your outcomes or one outcome by X amount, by 10, 20, 30, if you just focus on these behaviors. So what used to be really complex and would take, you know, five to 10 mathematicians to sit in a darkened room beside, you know, all the SPSS and so on um, to try and tell you the solution. For us, you press a button and in 20 seconds, you've got a solution. So the, the world and compliance and data and the safe use of cloud computing, and you know there are many uh, cloud platforms out there in the world uh, that make it safe, means that this is, you know, this is at your fingertips. You, you know, the stuff is out there and you can't just stay, you know, lay back and continue doing what we've done before because it didn't help us. If I were to argue, if culture has been so great and it's been the hero for that many years, Probably I wouldn't exist. Probably you and I wouldn't be doing this podcast even or, or webinar yeah. because, you know, it'd be great, but it isn't. There it, it wouldn't be a problem to solve. But sadly, as you know, I mean, I, I convey a belt of, of big best brands in the world have been in trouble and fined heavily yeah. for it. And I guess the, the ability for us to, to put this into technology means it's even more important that the quality of the research that informs that te technology is important. So you've told us a little bit about um, the research program that preceded CultureScope. So I'll take the next two questions together. You know, is there is there that we might that might be nice to, again to summarize that initial research program that that you did and the one that you said that you know obviously took over it took seven years. But I also understand that you've recently validated that research as well. So so maybe as part of your answer, talk about the initial work and then how that you've revalidated that as well, and then why you've revalidated it. Absolutely. So the original research was uh, kind of uh, uh, five studies, tagged that on later on a sixth study for outcome, but took you right seven years. Uh, and basically, because we were going ground up, we had to go maximum behavior measurement, maximum sample sizing, maximum diversity in sample sizing, you know, the 61 countries, because we just didn't know. This was unusual, no hypotheses, ground up, let the data tell you. Yeah. Uh, and uh, with that, 
we tested multiple different diagnostics. What do I mean by that is the force choice scenario based. If psychometricians would know it as ipsative, we also deployed item response theory in a matrix of behaviors, most and least. We also deployed your typical normative, you know, your 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 uh, Likert scale to measure behavior. Who didn't know what worked? So you can see from that research, we just tried to go well ground up, and it taught us quite a lot about behavior uh, uh, measurement or validity in behavior measurement, maybe specific validity uh, and reliability. And that's why we honed in in culture scope diagnostic being that ipsative force choice scenario based mixed yeah. in with that item response theory, which ranking. So together gave us validity. Uh, we also started testing something that's never been done before, which is can the diagnostic be dynamic? So in Contrascope today, which is an advancement that came later, we use our own engine for computerized adaptive testing. So imagine each respondent in real time answering the diagnostic is actually connected to the brain and is measuring accuracy and validity per behavior measured. And we don't, we're not stupid. We're not going to keep asking the same question again, but we vary. So we might ask them different questions, additional questions in order to drive validity. So, I mean, regulators tell us often that this is the most advanced non-invasive way of measuring behavior because it just cannot be gained. And it's non-invasive. Yeah. There's no wearables. I'm not in front of anyone. Uh, so that just gives you the depth you need to go for the diagnostic. But that's available. Ease at press of a button. The other uh, research that we have done along the way is things uh, around variability. So um, to understand which of those uh, 229 vary and by how much in order to understand what's relevant. Because if they are never varying from one company to another, why are we measuring them? So we've gone through process of elimination in our second study. In, 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 in certainly the third study, we started doing test retests for reliability. You know, psychometrics have to be reliable. And if there is no reason for change, is the result the same? Which is brilliant. And that's basic psychometrics, good, good, uh, good way of doing it. But we also then went as far as uh, understanding the relationship between PNO uh, through uh, uh, multi uh, methods of measurement, of course, and, and uh, 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 multi dimensions of behavior. Is there a relationship between a place and people that we expect? Yeah. In fact, in our complex matrices, uh, uh, this is you know something quite important. Can we see a relationship between two separate organizations, nothing to do with each other, which invalidates the data? So we've done some really heavy lift here in trying to do some good analytics to understand that. And finally, the predictive to outcomes is we've done a plethora of uh, many outcomes uh, for different organizations to see is there modeling and uh, effect size. So how much of the effect or of the size of the, uh, uh, if you like, the number of people or n total n for that uh, particular uh, cohort of people uh, is that uh, an centile of predictive so is it telling us something that's true so we've been through a hell of a journey and i'm trying to be careful to kind of give you the journey without using just complex words for the sake of it yes we have yeah. revalidated and you wonder why because okay we launched commercially in 15 uh, so the diagnostic was valid up till then is it valid yeah. now is it still relevant so we've done uh, a huge bit of research yet again, uh, all of last year, and we just uh, uh, released it now. Over 48,000 participants across uh, um, 50 countries, but only 
nine organizations. And when you say, why only nine? We're not trying to rebuild it. Before, we didn't know what we're looking at. But if I want to look at the specific relationship or lack of, which it should be between those nine, I had to have a control group. So it has the research has depth, but it has a control as well. Yeah. Right. While before, you know, when we were making the tool, it had to have depth and breadth. Here, it's about the depth. And we've done another six studies, uh, and this time it was understanding: is there a relationship between those behaviours, or are they mutually exclusive? Which they should be. There should we, we should be accuracy of measurement should mean that we measure one thing, we automatically measure another. We went as far in one of our studies in uh, using a AI method to uh, generate data, randomized data. So can a machine replicate this data in such a way that invalidates its truly measured behavior? Uh, and the answer was no, it couldn't. Of course, typically, as many people do, we went to the eigenvalues of every single item yet again, which we've done in our first study. Uh, all of this, we publish it quite openly. We're not uh, you know, withholding that research back and we send it to anybody who's interested. There is some heavy lift maths in there. Um, yeah. And also, we measured it, uh, some validity measures uh, against, uh, obviously, uh, good, uh, uh, if you like, uh, research out there um, in order you know, to, uh, to show validity as well. So, yeah, some exciting work happened last year to validate. Did we need to change anything? And that's what I mean. You've got to stay on top of your game for if you're offering the world something that they can truly use, they've got to be confident that the end-to-end uh, game is, uh, is as good as it was. And did you, you know, in summary, did you see, identify any major differences or, or did it just validate the initial work that was done up until 2015? It revalidated the work. The only thing we have discovered is we may be able to improve adaptive computer testing a little bit to reduce the testing time. So the testing time without adaptive computer testing used to be long per diagnostics, like 22 minutes. In the scheme of yeah. things, it might not be. But imagine when we uh, added uh, adaptive computer testing, we managed to bring it down to 12 minutes average completion. That's really good. Yeah. But I think we can bring it down even further down to an average of 10. So it may have helped us fine tune a little bit. But the, yeah. the, the other basically findings was all about, yeah, we, we're, still, we're still as good as what we were and everything is uh, as it should be. But I think a good lesson for, for companies out there that maybe are, for instance, I don't know, building an algorithm for predictive attrition, because let's be honest, lots of companies have built those in the past and are probably refining them again. You constantly need to validate what the algorithm is is telling you because situations change. I mean, you know, obviously we've got this big thing called hybrid work now and remote working, which wasn't the case two years ago. We had people obviously working remotely, but maybe not exclusively. So, and also a good lesson, I think, from a from a technology point of view, that obviously what you're building is 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 complex um, and. I'm wondering how how are you and again something for organisations that are maybe building things themselves that maybe to, to measure to, to measure culture and behaviours. But how are you dealing with the complexity of building these massive predictive engines? When we come back in just a moment, Hani talks about the application of neural thinking and neural technology to understand behaviours in the workplace. This series of the Digital HR Leaders podcast is sponsored by iPsychTech. Their CultureScope cloud application is one of the most advanced and scientific approaches to culture and behavioural measurement to drive performance and manage risk throughout organisations. Their diagnostic methods are innovative, simple, accurate and very efficient. 
What's really unique is that CultureScope applies behavioral data science for your specific organizational key performance metrics, allowing for the diagnosis and recommendations of specific actionable insights to make a sustainable difference. Using forward-looking predictive neural intelligence, CultureScope is able to recommend simple solutions to difficult problems and can provide a clear roadmap for culture implementation to maximize your impact and brand value. To find out more, head over to iPsychTech.com. Welcome back to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast with Hani Nabil, Chief Behavioural Scientist at iPsychTech. Now, let's get back to the conversation. We, we, we are careful about the terminology we use and the methods we use. And you may have heard me talk about neural thinking, uh, the, the neural technology, rather than talking about what I think you often hear, machine learning and uh, AI and so on. And I just want to be honest to the world and also drive the methods. Basically, since we have done a lot of research and you've done that manually and you know the methods that you're using, the question becomes, can I build a brain where I can tell it everything I've done and the brain will do all the heavy lifts so that we make it really simple for our customers? They just press a button, it doesn't. And we don't have yep. to also ourselves go to a dark room for hours on end to come up with the answers, or weeks even sometimes. Uh, so create a methodology. Test its robustness against multiple outcomes, multiple inputs, which is what we've done. Make sure that you create not complex algorithms, but clear algorithms and methods that take you through the whole process and test that. Once you do that, that is how you program the uh, uh, neural brain to think. We dealt with all the inputs as neurons, as pods, literally. That's, that's how it is. And, yeah. and the thinking brain is how it connects that together. And essentially, when I say to you neural, what I think, what I mean by that is we taught the brain, the CultureScope brain, how to think about the data. It's not learning from the data, which is where machine learning uh, uh, comes in. So we are accurate about what we're doing. And I think I'm only saying this because I sadly did hear, uh, you know, it, it's even really going to machine learning and AI and we kind of just banter this without thinking. But often... Yeah. Be careful about your purposeful. Uh, uh, do I want to learn from it or do I want it to tell me what's going on? The danger with applying that we have worked out machine learning and AI now is it could learn the wrong behaviors because they might drive the right outcomes and give advice the wrong way to our customers and clients, which would be disastrous. At the yep. moment, we are not doing that. The brain thinks about the data and simply shows you what behaviors you're going to drive and outcome and by how much. You, as the receiver, you are still, we hand it back to humans to decide that makes sense, that's the right outcome, yes, this model. Now, obviously, in our journey, we might go machine learning and AI, but we need to heavily go into augmented analytics. It's a complex world, but we we got to be careful. It's learning over time, but we got to make sure how do we know we're learning the right behaviors and not the wrong ones, as an example? Yeah. We don't know that. We've got to have that in place. So um, make sure, be clear about what you're building. 
make sure it's robustness of the methodology uh, that you deploy. Um, and uh, and again, nothing wrong with revalidating uh, all of that every now and then. Um, and, and that's the best advice I can give. Yeah, that's really, really, really helpful, Hani. And, you know, I know that you're, you're living this at, 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 with CultureScope and ISEC Tech as well. You know, managing the complexity as well as the legal and ethical concerns. You, you've actually launched a user forum, haven't you? And can you tell yes. us a little, a little bit more about what groups of people are important to bring together? Um, when measuring behaviours, and, and maybe give us an insight into some of the conversations that are happening. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, it, it's um, the user forum, uh, which we call the CultureScope Club, has been something we dreamt about for a long time. So actually, that it was uh, born in December last year uh, for the first time. I couldn't tell you how excited and ecstatic it was. A very emotional moment because we bring every user can join every company out there. And there are vast companies we're working with. And sometimes they think that the, the problem is unique to their industry. Oh, it's just for me. It's just for my industry. But human beings are human beings. They exist in every industry. So if you think about behaviors, you know, this is a human issue, which they've got to think about. So the user forum was about bringing uh, people together that have been with us through a journey and being able to share the best practices around measurement, understanding the, what it tells us, what have yep. we done about it that works so we can learn from each other? Ultimately, think about this. You know, some of our customers like bringing Lloyd's Banking Group, which has been with us for five years now. They have their own people that actually interrogate the data, so they're certified. So, we, we, you know, they use it as a product. They have a CultureScope department, CultureScope lead. I mean, it, people in, it, who are in their job type, they call CultureScope lead. Now, what's nice about it, they are in a unique culture, uh, 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 if you like, division or, or, or culture practice uh, that reports not just to HR, even to the board, right, to be able to give them the insights they need at their fingertips, which is incredibly powerful. Uh, beyond that, say people like, you know, uh, Visa, uh, BP, or all customers, um, some are different, uh, you know, Bank of Ireland is new in the journey with us. Um, uh, EDF, like we are in many of the nuclear sites to understand even a lot of conversation around safety and so on. So you can imagine bringing all of those in one place. And guess what, David? It's not even chaired by us. So it's a rotating chair. So the first, uh, so the uh, uh, Lloyd's Banking Group are chairing the first four over the whole yep. year, so December to December, then they'll pass the baton on and so on. So we're there to help, but we're not even running them. And yeah. that's why it's emotionally uh, exciting for me because, you know, it's, it's just like bringing all of those people that dealt with issues, some quite well, some still in the journey. The common thing here is people, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's people. So it's really uh, fascinating listening to the first one. There was so much, uh, uh, and I've never been to uh, a two-hour session where it was nonstop and there was intense emotion uh, and buy into culture. So, um but it helps HR practitioners, culture practitioners, uh, uh, sometimes like the uh, uh, in Deutsche Bank's fintech, known as Breaking Wave, the CEO termed up. It's quite exciting where I'm seeing there's not one, there's one obvious job title around this table. People from culture, from compliance, from, from risk, CEO, COO, all of them have come together in one place to talk about one thing. So yeah. it just shows you this is not a divisional problem. So, yeah, I know we tend to try and uh, address sometimes HR, but, you know, a lot of our customers aren't necessarily out in HR. Some are in compliance, some are in risk management, some are in safety, some 
are, are in innovation, some are in transformation. Incredibly powerful if we can connect these communities up and, and watch that space. I'm like creating the true sense of community, if I may use that word, around Culture Scope. That's really exciting. Wow. I, I, I'll try and report back to you on the progress. of. Look forward to it. And I must admit, from obviously, we've known each other for, for, for a few years. And, and what, one thing that's always struck me about Culture Scope as a, as a, as a product is that, yes, you said, you know, t- traditionally, most of the technology firms that, that I know, are, are, they're, they're mainly targeting HR and people analytics professionals. But you've worked directly with boards in very, very large organizations. You mentioned some of the, some of the names there. You know, and I think that shows that the, the it's the cultural element of it, and as you said, the, those behaviours that have those impacts on the on the outcomes that, that really resonates. I think it also perhaps suggests that in some companies, HR is not quite ready for this discussion yet. I don't. I'd love to hear your your thoughts on thoughts on that, or whether that's changed. It's not fast enough changing. Uh, in our world, there are two different things to consider. One is HR does not own culture. That's the, the interesting thing, is, is culture is owned by everybody. And yeah. leaders, yes, are the custodians. And remember, we tell leaders, it's not just about you behaving the, uh, the way that you want. You have to create the environment. Remember, we keep talking about the place. Yeah. Um, so HR is a facilitator to help, but they don't own culture. So probably that's why for us it's slightly different. There yeah. are multiple stakeholders that own culture, if we can call it that. But the second thing which I just want to uh, uh, talk about is people analytics and HR need to have a, uh, I don't know how to put it, a better marriage. <laughs> it's kind of a marriage at the moment. It just, you know, you, you know it, it just needs to improve that relationship. Um, it's getting better. Um, but I, I sometimes feel, maybe it's just a feeling that with some a, a HR professionals, they, they shy away or they're worried. Uh, about people and it's not there to replace their jobs uh, it's there to enhance what they do with a language never heard of before imagine if you walk into a board meeting say i know the impact of what our people do to our outcomes and i can uh, tell you what we need to change accurately i mean just basic language could be a game changer and all yeah. of this is possible today it's at their fingertips but maybe uh, we need to just keep uh, uh, you know educate 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 and uh, Practical application is what I say, you know, best thing to do is do it. Yeah. And, and what one of the things I think that helps HR professionals is is hearing stories and examples of, 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 of work and how this has helped and appreciate you may not be able to name companies by name. But do you have any case studies that you can share with us that maybe illuminate some of the, the challenges that we've discussed? Yeah, absolutely. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. If you're looking to continue your learning journey, head over to myhrfuture.com and take a look at the MyHR Future Academy. It's a learning experience platform supporting HR professionals to become more data-driven, more business-focused, and more experience-led. By taking our short assessment, you'll see how you stack up against the HR skills of the future. Then, our recommended learning journeys guide you every step of the way helping you to close your skills gaps, deepen your knowledge, and press play on your career. Now, let's go back to the conversation with Hani as he shares some case studies of culture transformation. So some simple stories, the simplest one is, you know, what drives 
our sales performance for these two divisional large salespeople that sell our services and products. Some are great, some are not. We're, we struggle to recruit sometimes. You know, is there a culture element to this or not? There might not be. But to actually answer, say, actually, there are there are four behaviors you need to focus on. You do that, you are 28 times more likely to get superstars. Suddenly yep. they got from not knowing how culture can drive their sales to actually knowing and, and focusing on that. Obviously, results have been incredible since they've done that. They went from not knowing to now they know what they're focused at. Because they're getting salespeople that tell me, yeah, but they've done it before. Why aren't they working here? Well, because here is a different place. Yeah. You've got to, what, what's different? It's culture, right? They might be selling similar products and services. So, we, 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 you know, there, there is a simple story there. But the more interesting story is things like, you know, how can we stop incidents happening, accidents, dangerous accidents, near misses? You know, what is the past data telling us when we can connect it to behaviors? Which behaviors lead to that? You know, we've done some uh, big stories, if you recall, particularly around HSBC, if you uh, remember right, uh, when, our, uh, when we cut our teeth big time around the world, you know, 71 countries, which behaviors work for or against financial crime? And to actually be able to know in 71 countries, which are your behaviors that are allied to uh, stop financial crime, which is what we're fined for, and be able to work on those and actually show the regulator that you have improved the behaviors and the outcomes you're after to clear every regulatory issue. It's powerful. If you just want to link it to outcomes, just imagine that story right there. Yeah. And we have a plethora, so transformation. You know, we've gone from, we don't know how we're going to transform to me saying, what you need to do is improve. So for one company, they had a baseline of 20% possible success rate. That's just terrible of any transformation. We went from that to 69% improvement. How? We could accurately tell you who are the change champions because their behavior is already made for you before yeah. they were randomly selecting people. That doesn't help. We could tell you the size of the ask, so what you need to change in their environment to enable them. Finally, we could tell you the best route for transformation through behaviors. So we've gone from not being answered those three questions and kicking off anyway to well, I can tell you exactly who are the people that help you, what you need to do around them, and how they're going to do it. And, and then suddenly you get success. So we have yeah. success. I mean, those are all real stories with real outcomes in our journey. Um, and uh, I mean, I've got so much. We've got so many case studies. And, and we've been really passionate. I mean, EDF decided to write every single use case with us for every nuclear site we've done this year which I, I, I was uh, uh, humbled by to say that we actually want to do this. We want to put it together. We want to tell the world what we do. We're in the journey. We're not, nowhere near aced it. But, wow, what we've been able to do, we want to document that, something that we yeah. have been inhabited doing as well with it. So incredible stories out there, just so many probably outside of the realms of uh, this discussion. Yeah, I'm sure we could have a discussion just on those. But it's interesting, isn't it, because you, you, you talked about, you know, the brain, um, you know, effectively what you're building. and. You know, what does a brain absorb knowledge and what's an analytic? What does analytics do? It gives people knowledge to, to help make the right decisions. As you said, transformations are notoriously complex, have a high failure rate. Or if you can move from a 20 percent to a 69 percent chance of success, and that's trans, that, that's transformational, if you pardon the pun. So um, and as you said, identifying who those champions are because they're already exhibiting those behaviors that, that you need to drive that. That is, you know, that's that's invaluable for a, for a CEO and the board. Absolutely. 
we've sort of winding it, winding it down, Hanny. I know me and you could probably talk about this all, all day, but we can't. So, but if you have to distill it, what would be your number one piece of advice for organisations? You know, looking to get a better handle on their culture. I mean, the the it's kind of uh, an answer that's answered in a backwards sort of way, which is weird. But let me do it that way. You must be brave to use the term culture by design properly. Yeah. You design lots of things in your company. You design your office, you design your furniture, you design your systems, you design even a, ta- you might have even a talent plan. You rarely have a culture plan. Probably in your own career, I bet you've rarely heard the term, yeah, we've designed the optimal culture here. I bet you haven't heard that. But imagine if you can actually, you're empowered to do that. So design, be brave, design the culture you want, which means that you've got to design the reward system, the operating model. You've got to design even your furniture, believe it or not, physical workspace around the behaviors you want. And ultimately, why you want them? Because they are a predictor for your outcomes. So culture by design, of course, has to start with accurate measurement. Be clear. Am I measuring what really drives culture? If I'm not, be honest. There's no point saying, yeah, we're doing a bit of engagement survey, which is people's opinion, which is an outcome of culture that's doing. Measure, measure, measure. What can't be measured, I always say, cannot be fixed, sustained, improved. So correct measurement, correct analytics by connecting insightful and actionable insights. So correctly connect the outcomes you're after, be clear, not some sporadic outcomes that have nothing to do with what you're looking for, to the uh, input data, the behaviors, and learn what it's telling you. And based on what it's telling you, be clear on the action, uh, uh, you know, taking it from actionable insight to interventions that really work. Often, you can learn from yourself. So what we show our clients sometimes is, actually, you have a place in your business that's exhibiting those behaviors, so they do, place does, and it's the right outcome. So you don't have to dream up stuff. Go and talk to them. Let's see what, what's going on. Is it the water they're drinking, the furniture? What is it? If you learn from there, then you might be able to deploy where in your organization those behaviors are absent. It's already the wrong outcome. So be brave about culture by design, but the answers could be very simple. Measure, connect, actionable insight becomes critical, and, you, and, and, and we go even by giving you the path to greatness, the route to greatness. Love that culture by design. Um, a very, very, very uh, nice way of putting it. So now, Hani, so the, the last question before I ask you to provide your contact details and stuff for people listening. This is the question we're asking everyone in this series, uh, which which you're kindly sponsoring. You know, how does behavioural science help to improve the workplace? Behaviour science brings the people element back into the equation. Simple as that. It's like I was talking to an organization that is doing a security review with a very large uh, and uh, well-established organization. Security review was tends to be people process technology. In fact, people process technology is applied in many contexts uh, uh, around the world. We tend to focus on the process and the technology but it was interesting in the security review when they were talked about people, there was weak. So hence, yeah. now in the security review, for instance, they're including that people element. People, let's be specific, is about how they enact, how they behave at work. That's what you're looking. You're not trying to 
to to deploy a personality measurement tool. You know what 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 are no be specific. What helps is how do they behave at work. They might be behaving in a certain way that might be constructive to the business or destructive, but they just do it without thinking because it's what the place wants them to be. Mm. So I normally say, you know, I know incidents, happens, issues. Nobody comes to work to do bad things. No one, right? And that's the very few, by the way. But it's your systems and process could drive the wrong behaviors even. So focus back on people is the obvious thing I'd say. Bring that back in. Even in people analytics, what are you saying? Bring people back into the equation. If you yeah. don't have behavior science as part of that, I would humbly and passionately argue about you're really leaving people, uh, living people analytics to its fault. Great answer. Great way to wrap up the conversation, Hani. And thanks very much for being a, a, a guest on the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Can you let listeners know how they can stay in touch with you, follow you on social media, and find out more about CultureScope and iPsych Tech? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, LinkedIn is a great way. I am on the uh, in, in LinkedIn, so uh, feel free to, to connect. Um, our website, iSightTech.com, is uh, always live and updated. There's a nice video there at the beginning as well, but we get many uh, uh, stories out there as well and uh, in, in, in our webinars and podcasts and so on that we do often, even with our customers, which is great fun. Um, so good, good way of doing it. Yeah, I would say where we're active is our website and, and LinkedIn. Those are the main two, uh, if you like, uh, ways to connect. And uh, yeah, I look forward to whoever reaches out, even if they want to know uh, about how we do things. It's been a great pleasure. Well, it's been great, Hanny, and you know, and I, I've seen on the journey. I remember when you won the the, the award at the Wharton People Analytics Conference all the way back in. I think it was 2017. I think when when okay. actually. We did conferences face to face, and uh, let's hope in twenty twenty two we get back to some of that again. So, uh, but it's been a pleasure to 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 have you on the show, Hani, and thank you very much. Thank you, brilliant. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy listening, please do rate the show on your podcast app and share it with your friends and colleagues via social media. We rely on your feedback and support to keep being able to make the podcast. For more from us at Insight 222, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and our weekly newsletter at myhrfuture.com. Tune in next week for episode four of series 20, where I'll be joined by Placide Havera, Vice President of HR Latin America at Unilever. Until then, stay safe, stay well, and take care.